0: Good morning and welcome to Stewarding Family Wealth brought to you by Centurion Advisor Group. This is Randy Brunson in the studio with Amanda, our master engineer, as well as our guest today, Angela Ammons. Angela, welcome to the studio.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here.
0: Absolutely. Glad to do it. Angela is the CEO of Clinch Memorial Hospital, uh, which is in Clinch County, Georgia. It is in Georgia. You can find it on the map. You You can actually get there from here, right? Oh,
1: absolutely! Sure, <laughs> yes. absolutely. that I many modalities you can get the, there.
0: That's right. That's right. Here for the next couple of episodes, we are going to visit with Angela. The first episode, I want to hear Angela's story. She has an incredible personal story of her journey through life, and especially her being now CEO of the Clinch Memorial Hospital. And then, in the second episode, I want to talk with Angela about her experience as CEO, what she's learned, what they've experienced the last 18 to 24 months at the hospital, and then the opportunities that we have as Georgia taxpayers to direct our state tax dollars to benefit clinch memorial hospital so that's that's sort of the agenda here for the next uh for the next couple of shows here on gwinnett business radio x so let me start angela first of all i said welcome to the show we are glad you're here tell us your story you told me about your mom and dad you grew up in macon you left home when you were 15 so just tell us whatever you want to tell us start there and just tell us what you want to share with us about your life
1: Okay. Well, I always find it fascinating when people want to hear the story. But I believe now, um, as I own it more and more, and you know, a huge fan of uh, Brene Brown, and she talks about vulnerability all the time, and how she has helped so many people. That I believe that we are given stories, and we need to share them because someone out else out there may be experiencing the same story, and it could help them to navigate whatever process or whatever life they're in currently, or whatever um, they're experiencing. But I am half Korean and half American, white American. My parents met while my father was in the army and stationed in Korea. And she is a first generation American. I am the first female in her family to ever obtain a college degree. And my mother is 74, and she retired two years ago um, from Thomaston Mills. And she has worked as a seamstress ever since she came to the United States. And she has a basic prose reading education level. So it was always funny in an event every time we visited her as a child because she did not raise us. We were raised by my paternal um, grandparents, but she couldn't read the box of a a cake box. So we never had a baked cake from uh, Duncan Hines or whatever because she couldn't read it. So uh, we um, always had experimental cakes and uh, desserts at her house just because uh, we tried to help her when we were children it just didn't always turn out right but um, she's a very hard worker and she has passed on that hard work ethic to me and the rest of my uh, siblings I have two brothers and one sister and she has overcome a lot you don't understand those things as a child or a young adult you have in your mind this is the way you should have done things that's not necessarily the truth. It's always far, far, far uh, removed from the truth. But um, she did the best she could. And if she could have done better, she would have done better. And then that's my philosophy now for her.
0: So she came, she came, to, the, came to the States. Came to the States. Met, dad, met it, your dad. Met your dad when he was stationed in Korea. That's she comes right. to the States. She knows no English. No English. Whatsoever. She's got, perhaps at best, a high school education.
1: No. No, not even an education. Not even really no meaningful education. No, Mm -mm. but
0: uh, there's there's uh, ends up being four of you. Yes, and she simply needs to find a way to support herself, do what she can to make sure that she has food to eat, and then of course she has children and try to figure this thing out and doesn't know any English. So. But you're right. You could, sometimes when you're when you're a teenager like that, you think, well, things should or you're a young adult, you look back and well, they should have done this and this and this. But you know what I've learned, and maybe right. this is how, what you see at Mother at this point, is I believe for most of us, our parents did the best they could for how they were prepared and equipped for whatever their circumstances were. I mean, I don't quite know how to say that. Yes. But you know where you, you uh, I, I, over time for me, it's been you look back and the, the longer I live, the more grace I'm prepared to extend to the generations ahead of me.
1: Exactly. You
0: know, that, that kind of yes. thing. So, yes. so there were, there were um, four of you, so you were raised by your paternal grandparents. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Carry on.
1: And, you know, it's just a story of um, survival and resiliency, and because of some external factors and, some because, and because of some personal choices, I did leave home at 15, and, you know, it has been a constant struggle for, for many years, just trying to survive, and I look back now, and there's no way I would have a heart attack. If my child told me they were going to leave home at 15, I'm like, you can't even make your own dentist appointment. What are you talking about? <laughs> but, um, you know, or, you know, my my son who's away at college at UGA will say, I am an adult now. I'm like, adults make their own dentist appointments. Adults use their own credit cards. But that's a, that's a separate. <laughs> that's part of the journey. <laughs> get, yeah, it's part yeah. of the journey. But in that process, you know, you just live one day at a time. And I, it, it is a miracle that my siblings and I are still here because we all had not traditional Childhood mm-hmm. upbringings, and um, I look back now, and I, I, you know, I embrace that. Sure. And I'm not. I won't. I don't want to say that I'm exactly grateful for it, but. All of the things that I did go through definitely prepared me to become CEO of this rural hospital now that I now um, have been at for four years. Uh, Being a CEO in a rural healthcare setting for a small critical access hospital takes a lot of resiliency. It takes a lot of innovation. It takes a lot of backbone um, that I don't think a lot of traditional people are necessarily prepared for. But 15-year-old high school dropout was on my own. I lived with two other very young adult females. We rented an apartment in Macon, Georgia, and that's where I lived for most of my life. And it was definitely an adventure day in and day out. And, you know, it was very hard for me at times to see some of my high school friends out in public and they knew that I had quit school and dropped out because I was a very good student. Um, I was an A student and um, I won a lot of awards in school up until the point that I dropped out. So it was very hard to see that and work through that. But, you know, eventually you move on and you move past that and you just get involved in the day-to-day life of survival. Ended up um, getting married, have moved away. and We were a military family. Uh, went on to get my associate's nursing degree at Coastal College in Brunswick, Georgia, and then later went on to get my bachelor's degree, and I'm still working on my master's. It's like you're always working on it, I feel like, so hopefully um, I'll be finished with that very soon. But I had a calling earlier on to serve, and I knew that obtaining my RN degree would be a great lifestyle choice for me mm-hmm. and i loved taking care of people love the science of it and right out of college obtaining my degree i went to work at southeast georgia health system in brunswick and i was a surgical intensive care nurse
0: so you were an, you were an intensive care nurse so mm-hmm. on your own on your own at 15 renting your apartment with friends got married children but at some at some point, at some point you've referred to a a calling there to serve but at some point you made a decision to complete your ged and then to enroll in college you get an associates in nursing and of course as you said it's progressed to to a bachelor's and you're working on your master so at what point did you did you decide to okay i need to go ahead and get my ged i was good in school the life got in the way whatever happened you know that that kind of thing, but at what point did you decide to pursue the GED and then enroll in school? Were were, were there things going on, or what what was going on that just caused that change after you left school?
1: Well, um, I had held jobs as as a waitress and so forth in various capacities, but I wanted more. I wanted benefits. I wanted a 9-to-5 job to be at home with my children. And the opportunities there for someone who did not have a GED or a high school diploma were very few and far between. They definitely weren't the jobs that I wanted to hold. So I realized that in order for me to get where I wanted to be, I had to put the work in. And so um, I uh, know that there are so many different uh, education options now for people, homeschool and most of the homeschool children do get a GED and so forth. But back then, and you know, I'm alluding to my age. I'm 49 <laughs> this year, but it was just very difficult. There were not a lot of homeschooled so children, so the acceptance of a GED were uh, were very. Uh, far and few between but it was that drive of wanting more and never being satisfied with where I was at and I still read I mean tons of books even as a high school dropout I remember going to the library and going to the library and say what is the max amount of books that I can check out at one time and and they would tell me and I would walk out with this huge sack of books and it would be an encyclopedia it would be a history book it would be so forth because I was just a voracious reader and I was just hungry for knowledge
0: so so it wasn't it, it wasn't a, a lack of interest in learning no. it was just the public school structure is not the best structure for all students and you were alluding to it right now you can do homeschooling mm-hmm. you can do online learning you can do mix of those you can do private school there's so many options that are available and sort of accepted but you're right you're talking 30 years ago right. and you're right homeschooling wasn't developed the way it is now and there weren't the options to help help people with that. So reading, did you decide to focus your reading on certain areas? Like was it fiction? Was it nonfiction? If it was nonfiction, were there kinds of books or authors that you enjoyed reading?
1: You know, I have read so many books, and I'm a person who will walk into a Books A Million and spend an entire day, and it would feel like an hour mm-hmm. because I would read uh, science magazines to Cosmo. Um, it, it's just a wide Everything. variation. Of things. Yeah, Little House on the Prairie is always still it is burned into the history of my child's mind like once a year I'll pick up the entire series and finish them in a weekend you know I'll just revisit books back and forth and I have favorite authors and you know favorite books that have just made such an imprint in my life that I'll go back and revisit them year after year so it's just a huge variety of different books
0: so here's so here's a question I'm I'm a reader as well I Mm -hmm. you and I have an we haven't talked about that part of your life, and I'm a reader as well. I, I prefer to read than almost anything else when I have free time. Sure. Everything. I have a couple of favorite fiction authors, but lots of nonfiction. Talk about Little House on the Prairie. Mm-hmm. okay? And that is a story set in particular time and place with, uh, with, for the most part, what appears to be a well-functioning nuclear family. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know this question just came to mind but have you ever found yourself drawn to stories or books or things of that nature that this may be way off the subject but that paint a picture of what what we dream about in, ter- in terms of the way life could be maybe we do live as part of a larger story I personally believe we do we live as part of a larger story and there's things we're designed for that Desires indicate design, design directs destiny, if you will. You know, that kind of thing. I'm just curious.
1: Sure, I think so. Um, no one's ever posed like this, but now thinking about it, I think that probably was one part of it, the nuclear yeah. family that we didn't have. But I think another part of it that I visit now as an adult is the resiliency of that family. I mean, they overcame a lot of obstacles um, through Laura's uh, childhood and then the adult life. And I think that's another thing that I like about that. You know, a lot of people can be negative focused. Oh, I hate farming. I hate this lifestyle. It gave us nothing. And, you know, it's just such a struggle. But she was able to write her story down in a way that impacted millions of people. That's right. You know, and I do think people are drawn to stories that maybe strike a chord with them, or maybe gives them um, a life outside of what they have. I mean, think about it. The romance industry is a billion dollar industry. What? So there's <laughs> a reason for that, but definitely. But you know, and I couldn't stay in traditional school. I was living in an apartment with two people and I needed to pay my third of the rent. Right. I needed to be able to feed myself. so. Um, staying in high school was just not an option at that time and I had other responsibilities that I had to meet and so and my sister she moved out when she was 14 and she lived in an apartment across the parking lot from me with another person who was old enough to be able to sign the lease so both of us at a very young age we have have been on
0: our own Yeah. But there was something that you wanted. There was, there was a life that you wanted that wedding tables was not going to get for you. No. If, if, if I'm hearing you well. Yes. And so, all right, I need to get my GED. I need to focus on something. You were drawn to health care and, yes. and so on and so forth. So you did the associates route.
1: I did the associates route. I think that was a great way to segue into getting into nursing and BSN came later, but I knew that I constantly had to solidify a good foundation for me and my children. And I realized very early on that no one owed me anything. I mean, it doesn't matter what cards we have been dealt in life. It doesn't matter what situation we have bor- been born into. No one owed me anything, and if I wanted anything, I would have to work for it.
0: You have to get up and go to work.
1: Get up and go to work.
0: So, so what I'm hearing is you, you didn't, you chose not to see yourself as a victim. Yeah. You, you chose. Okay. So, this is my life. I have choices to make. Mm-hmm. It's really I. He- I heard a speaker say one time that you know there's this discussion, this argument within this circle of psychologists Mm -hmm. about how we are is a function of nature or nurture. Right. And you have years of experience. I won't say decades because you're, you know, but uh, you have years of experience in healthcare and working with people and seeing people in all types of physical states. Sure, sure. And I heard a speaker say one time that at some point our life is not driven by first by nurture or by nature. It is driven by choice. Yes. That every one of us choose. Will I choose to see myself as a victim? Will I choose to see myself as a victor? Will I choose to see my circumstances as crushing or overwhelming or something I have no control over? Or will I make other choices? Will I choose to say, you know what? All right. So I don't necessarily like the way my life has turned out so far, or I don't like the choices I've made so far, or I don't like the outcomes of the choices. However, Let's evaluate. Let's get some input. Let's talk to people that know more than we do. And let's do something different. You know, that that kind of thing. Yes. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense?
1: I do. And I do believe it is harder for some people. I do um, believe that overcoming some obstacles are um, extremely more challenging than most. But the thing that I have to tell myself constantly is that we never know anyone's true story okay i think some people might be seriously offended or some people may view me differently if they were to turn page by page of my story and um, that's why and my philosophy is if you like who i am You have to take every single thing, every single experience, every single mistake, every um, challenge I've overcome to light this final person or this final product, as you say. You know, Polaroids, and I said this earlier to you before we started, I hate a Polaroid. Mm -hmm. It's a single snapshot of a period in time. It is not the entire story. It is not the entire um, snapshot or the entire story of someone's life. It's just a snapshot. But we in this culture are so judgmental about one single snapshot. And I think it can kill a reputation. I think it can kill careers. I think it kills relationships because we're so judgmental about that. But we have to learn to embrace everybody's differences and everybody's stories because they're fascinating. We have so much to learn from each other with that aspect.
0: We do. Part of the human condition, part of human nature left itself okay is to rush to judgment on simply what we see yes if we rush to judgment with on what we see that's that's part of the dark side of human nature which is the way i see the world which is what is so incredible and glorious about god's grace yes you know gr- gr- the extension of grace is a supernatural act it's a supernatural behavior the extension of love to those that are unlovable is a supernatural extension that that comes from God's design. But it's not part of the natural human condition. So, That's
1: right. Yeah. We're all perfectly imperfect, and I'm hopelessly flawed. Hopelessly flawed. Yeah. But being hopelessly flawed, it allows me to see the perfection in everybody else. Right. And I've been asked um, that several times. Well, if that had happened to me or if that friend had done that to me, I would never speak to them again. I'm like, so you've never offended a friend you've never needed to ask for forgiveness you've never made a mistake that you needed forgiveness for and so we have to remember those things right. and you know and I do believe that the extension of grace sometimes that's learned as you get older and you don't yes, have yes. the power and the ability to extend much grace when you're younger but I like that position I'm in now realizing right. that so many people need that you know my kids go and went off to college and it's so funny and I'm just so proud of them for going to school but when they come back you know the first, second semester of psychology 101 <laughs> and they want to sit down and say mom I've been studying a lot about parenting perhaps you should have done this and perhaps you should communicate to us this way and I said that's great thank you so much for the advice I said but I need to remind you the grace you extend to me as your parent will be the same amount of grace that you're going to need extend to you and you parent because you're not going to get it right. No one ever gets it right. You know, we just try to do our best. We just try to do best with everything that's given to us.
0: And, and they, they will. We've watched the same thing with our children and, and uh, with many others. Uh, when, when you're not a parent, it's, it's so easy to give parenting advice. But usually, once people become parents, they tend to go a lot, lot easier on the parenting advice because they're trying to figure it out as well. You know how does this work, and what do you do in this situation? It's just, it, it's very involved, right? I will agree with you. The longer I've lived, the easier it is to extend grace to others. Because man, the, you know, everybody has a story. Everybody's on a journey. So, you so you finished your associate, you're working there at uh, Southeast Medical in Brunswick. You decided to go ahead and pursue a bachelor's degree. So what, what were your different roles in health care? So you were a, did you say a, a surgical nurse?
1: I was a surgical intensive care nurse. So I was a critical care nurse um, at Southeast Georgia Health System. And then I moved to Waycross and I worked for Satilla Memorial, which later became Mayo Clinic and HCA. And I took on various roles. I've worked in psychiatric nursing on the weekends. For some reason, you, when you become a nurse, you're just like, and you've lived on a very tight budget. You raise your children off of four hundred dollars, you know, every two weeks. I just worked as many shifts as possible, and I tried to explore as many avenues of nursing as I possibly could. So, site nursing, um, before, while I was going to through nursing school. Dr. Bill Mitchell and Stephen Barr, who owns Renew Plastic Surgery in Brunswick, allow me to alternate my schedules and were very accommodating to help me get through nursing school. So I'm always very grateful to them for that. So plastic surgery, I went into med-surg nursing, float pool nursing, and then later um, was asked to apply for a management role. And I stayed in management special projects going forward from that. And when I was approached about applying for uh, the CEO position by a board member, I had decided to step back from my management role. Um, It had just taken a serious toll on my health and my family. And, you know, I would work sometimes 24, 36 hours consistently without ever going home. And the day that I was asked I was called by the house supervisor and she said, we really just don't have enough staff tonight, Angela. You're going to have to come in again. And the day that I had to leave my son's birthday party to cover a shift that night, I I said, I really need to step back from this. I need to go back to the bedside and work my three, 12 hours a week and have a little bit more control over my life instead of feeling this management role. But you know, a lot of people automatically go, she's lucky. Or what does she do to get this management job? Or why is she a manager three years after graduation and I think that luck is a very funny word I think there's a lot of things that we can do to prepare ourselves to be a little bit more luckier than person but that hard work ethic and not having a backup to give me as money as a child or to buy my groceries realize made me realize a lot earlier you've got to outwork everybody else and people are depending on you to show up at that job. And if I had called out every single day, I just wasn't feeling it. Oh, my gosh. I would probably call out as much as some of the other people that <laughs> call in constantly. But, you know, you have to push through. You have to push through not feeling it because there are other people depending on you. And it's not just the people at home. It was the my nursing team. It was the staff or whatever job I, um, I was at that needed me to be there. So I think... It wasn't luck. I think it was just having that strong work ethic of showing up, staying a little bit later if someone needed you, having a positive attitude the entire time I was there. Yeah, I would go into the break room and maybe scream into my mask or my towel when, you know, I had two gunshot victims. And then I was also the code nurse on the floor. And then maybe there was a couple of people that I didn't like working with that made my day even harder. But, you know, I never wanted anybody to see that. Doctors used to make the comment when they came through that I was always in my patients' rooms or my patient, patients were always very clean and well taken care of. And um, and a lot of people that worked with me had that same attitude, that we were getting paid for a 12-hour shift. We needed to work for the 12 hours. Mm-hmm. We needed to be up on our feet. Our patients were in a dependent situation, and we needed to take care of them. But you never know when you're on a job interview. That's what I tell every new nurse, every CNA that comes through – and I tell them, you think this is just temporary. You think this position is temporary. You never know when you're going to be sitting across from the table from someone that you used to work with. What memory, what reputation are going to leave with them? Are you going to have to sit at the table and explain how you changed in 15 years, or are you going to, are they're going to remember what a great employee you were, or what a great um, team member you were? So I think. Me just holding on to that work ethic and just doing the best that I could and trying to um, make sure that I was pulling my weight led Mm -hmm. me to opportunities. My first management role, I was approached by the management team. I didn't apply for it. Never thought I ever wanted to go into management. Always wanted to be a bedside nurse. And they said, we really think you would be great at this. You have a great attitude. You're always here. Will you apply for the position? So I went home and talked to my husband about it. And I decided to take it because I thought, okay, I made this kind of impact on the patient side. How can I make this impact on the nurse's side? And from there, it just took off to other management roles, opening up other opportunities to learn. And, you know, I made a lot of mistakes along the way. And I learned that some of the best managers I've had extended a lot of grace towards that and gave me room to fail. And now as a CEO, I think that's important for me to create an environment for my management team to it's okay to fail as long as you learn from the areas that you failed in and we mm-hmm. move past that since that time I think I've created because of that philosophy I've created a great team at Clinch Memorial Hospital that has helped us become as successful as we have and I say successful and I use that word very loosely because one bad month three bad months a, a pandemic coming out of nowhere can wreck a critical access hospital but and this is um, sometimes a subject that I I don't want to talk about, but I do. But I think it's important for anyone that's out there, and they're in a very hard position of leadership, and you're treated in ways that you think are unfair and inappropriate. I just want everyone to remember that it's not necessarily about me. It's not necessarily about you. It's about the end goal, mm-hmm. and why are we hired for this position? And I was hired to be CEO of Clinchmore Hospital to save that hospital and to make sure it's viable. And there have been conversations, and there have been situations that have come up. And I go home and tell myself, this is why you went through that as a child. This is why you had this experience. This is why you had to be resilient as a child because it has been very difficult as a female CEO of a hospital to step in and it was my very first CEO job. So there was a lot of doubt surrounding me. A lot of people wondered how I got the position. You know, There's always these negative connotations that are thrown at you if you look a certain, certain way or if you um, possess a certain image. And you have to overcome that. And If I had not developed such a hard shell or a thick skin from everything that I've gone through, it would have easily penetrated me right. to where I would have stepped down as CEO. So for anyone that has wondered why you went through what you went through, where are you now? How could you draw on any of those experiences to help you where you're at? And it has been a roller coaster ride my entire life. And a couple of times people have said, Are you ever going to write a book? I'm like, I don't know. Would it be G-rated or would it be R-rated? I just don't know where I
0: <laughs> would <laughs> between those two. But um,
1: you know, I think there would have to be a couple of versions to slowly, you know, to uh, here's a family version. Here's a family version. <laughs> here's the real version. But um, but I do think it's important. Perhaps that could happen in the future. I don't know. Right. I don't. I find it fascinating that anybody would ever think that my story is fascinating enough to tell anyway. But
0: well. But it is because you know you're talking about luck a minute ago, and what I've found personally is that uh, the harder I work and the more prepared I become, Mm -hmm. the luckier I get. Yes, you know, Uh, seem to go together for whatever reason. Yes, but stories tell, okay, and I have learned that where I learn the most, and probably where you have learned the most, is in difficult or challenging circumstances. Mm -hmm. You know, if there's always more cash flow than we need, if every relationship is perfect if the, the house and dinner always looks like it came off the cover of a magazine, okay, then there's really not a lot that we learn in those circumstances. Right. But if relationships are messy and we've got to make critical decisions about cash flow, and if the house looks like 14 people <laughs> <laughs> live there and nobody picks up after themselves, <laughs> you know, these kinds of things, then, then that's where we learn, okay, mm-hmm. what is important or what matters and how do we heal this and how do we, you know just so many things to learn in 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 this but you ended up in management roles you were in waycross you ended up in management roles and so let's talk next let's talk next about this being hired as CEO of Clinch Memorial Hospital but we are going to jump into that in the second episode so let's wrap up this conversation and folks stay tuned for the next episode we're going to learn more about Clinch Memorial Hospital and what Angela has learned in this and the the fascinating journey that she's been on as CEO of of Clinch Memorial Hospital so this is Randy Brunson on Gwinnett Business Radio X with Stewarding Family Wealth stay tuned for our next episode thank you for listening